Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic today, Tim. Very happy that we were able to have this conversation that the listeners are definitely going to enjoy. I'm going to tell you right off the bat, though, not many moments of being serious here. <laughs> this is an intentional conversation geared towards the lighter side. But in this intro, I'd like to gear this moment towards your mood. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks a lot for asking. Yeah, it's fun to lighten things up once in a while. Sometimes things can get heavy, but especially when we meet folks out there, out and about, especially at, at CrimeCon, where you met Amanda and Trevin of Live, Laugh, Larceny, you know, we're happy to bring fellow colleagues on and have some fun conversations like this. And their podcast is really interesting and really fun and funny, even though they're talking about crime. Right, because they keep it to this category of crime that doesn't really make much of a difference in the grand scheme of things. You know, these are petty crimes and the way they cover them is in this overly dramatic way, which gives it this element of absurd like satire. It's incredible. They both have excellent senses of humor and they get along so well with each other. Cool to hear two friends doing their thing. They say several times in this conversation that if they didn't have this creative outlet, they don't know what they would do. It's nice that they have each other and you can really hear it in this conversation. And you can find Live Laugh Larceny on your favorite podcatcher or you can check out livelaughlarceny.com to see what they're up to. But Lance, we gotta take a quick break here and we'll be right back with Amanda and Trevin. And a thank you to our sponsors. Back to the program. Welcome to the podcast, Amanda and Trevin of Live Laugh Larceny. How the heck are you today? Good. Thanks for having us on here. We are doing so great. Yes. Thank you so much. Honestly, like we were very excited to have you two on today because your show is awesome. It's so cool to get a show that has such a unique take on this true crime genre. But I want to get something out of the way right off the bat. Trevin had approached our table at CrimeCon and I just want to make sure that we're all on the uh, all cool now. He waited until Tim left before he approached because he was nervous he was like is tim gone for a couple of minutes and i said yeah he went to go do whatever he needed to go do and i was like you probably have like five minutes he's like okay and he spoke really fast mm -hmm. and he was like here's my card and then tim started walking over and he like took <laughs> off he was like I, I gotta go so i don't know was there something there uh he's just an intimidating guy i hear the way he starts these episodes off and i thought i cannot compete in just a regular conversation with this guy there's a lot of energy Wait, this is a true story, Trevin? You sprinted away? Um, it was like a scurry. <laughs> no, I wouldn't I would never run in public, trust me. <laughs> yeah, was oh a completely made up story. It's actually the only note that I have written down to talk about. Important, important. Glad that you got that out of the way uh, right here at the top. No bad blood. Yeah. Well, cool. Welcome to the show. Really appreciate it. I don't have a Live Laugh Larceny shirt, but I'm wearing the closest thing I could find. It's a Tom Petty shirt, and your show <laughs> is a true petty crime podcast, so that's as close as I could get here today. Hey, I'm down with it. And oh honestly, we've never done a Tom Petty anything on our show, which we probably should. Yeah, that's disgraceful on our end. Uh, you dressed perfectly for this podcast, I must say. And Lance, you look great, too. Oh, thank you. Well, you could tell I was about to get mad that I wasn't getting the recognition. <laughs> yeah. 
You looked left out. You're both beautiful. <laughs> oh, I just want to give a congrats. Trevin, you just got married, right? I did uh, two weeks ago, and Amanda was the officiant. I was so scared. Oh, my God. I even dropped the ring during the ceremony. Trevin's ring. You know what? We got through it. He got married. It was beautiful. Are you a justice of the peace or a notary? I had to get ordained through Universal Life Church Online. Oh. It was very simple, I might add. Like, almost terrifyingly simple. (laughs) Well... You know, when I got married, I asked Lance to officiate my wedding, and he was like, absolutely not. Oh, Lance. And I was like, it's really simple. You just have to go on this website. And he was like, get the fuck out of here. Wow, that's really aggressive. I know. That was weird. Weirdly aggressive. (laughs) No, it was like super easy. So I can do baptisms now. I can do weddings and apparently i can like run funerals i don't even know what that really means but i can do it there you go there's like a whole industry there that just never will go away right the funeral (laughs) business will never go away so there could be like a podcast funeral crossover (laughs) oh wow i'll give you this idea let's just say you have the podcast title and it's about funerals here's the idea underneath you can tagline it and say we put the fun in funeral Oh, because yeah. <laughs> if you jumble the words around, it's even real fun. Ooh! Ooh. <laughs> Whoa! How has someone not done this yet? Exactly. That's yours for free. We're on it. Tell us about yourselves. How long have you known each other? Where did your friendship begin? And what do you do in your real lives? We've known each other for almost a decade now, right, Trevin? Yeah, about there. Okay. I said that in your wedding, so I hope that's accurate. But no, we actually met at like the shittiest warehouse job you can imagine. We were both miserable working there. We were both like creative types that were just kind of needing a job to money at the time kind of thing and we immediately found each other we would always like talk crap about the co-workers we didn't like and he was like the best person to gossip with and we just stayed friends and started a podcast eventually we were both in different like weird really in like a weird uh middle place in our life and we just kind of found each other and then once we were able to get out of that we took that friendship with us and grew it and did more stuff she had talked about wanting to start a podcast with a friend of ours and i said hey i'm an audio guy you guys should totally follow that dream and it was kind of one of those things where they just talked about it but didn't really do it so i was on them like do it do it do it here's my stuff you can take all my spare stuff just go do it i ended up being their producer for the whole time they did the show and the show ended up stopping and i said well i actually want to do more than just be an audio guy. I want to take my audio skills. Now I'm a little more confident behind the mic. I want to do more speaking as well. We were actually contacted by a local magazine that wanted their show to be on their network, but that show stopped. And so we said, you know, we can figure something out. It was a mom podcast that they had, so I really couldn't just fill in those shoes there. (laughs) They challenged us to do true crime and we said, we will do something Not at all what you wanted. Oh, yeah. It was nothing like they wanted. For me, I am much more of the traditional true crime type of listener. I watch all the documentaries, all the podcasts, the traditional true crime stuff. And Trevin, he listens to more traditionally like comedy 
and things like this. So, and he loves horror movies. So we wanted to kind of do something that was different, that kind of flipped true crime upside down, like the normal way. That's how our show was born. It actually had a different name for a little while too. Yeah, we were going by Seriously Sinister. Just to play off of just how serious we build everything up. Now we're going with a a more of a playful spin now. It was too sarcastic. People thought that we were seriously sinister and we weren't. So we were like, okay, we're going to take a phrase that our listeners already know us as, which was live, laugh, larceny. That was like something that we had already talked about on our show a lot. And it fit what we do much better. Are you fans of the phrase that live, laugh, larceny comes from? The live, laugh, love? Do you have that sign in your home? No, No. (laughs) uh, I just like to kind of make fun of stuff like that. And I thought that would be a fun thing with, you know, true crime. A lot of the fan base is a little more of that live, laugh, love crowd. And I wanted to kind of play along with it and make it. When you see that sign in someone's home, whether or not you're you're a fan of that, you realize what that person's trying to convey. Yeah, they like to live, they like to laugh, and they like to love. And they're full of love. So you feel comfortable (laughs) in the presence. I like that. I guess you'd call it a juxtaposition. Yes. We just wanted to do something different and still be kind of true to ourselves and the stuff that makes us click because nothing against the real true crime that's doing the important stuff but i couldn't do it weekly that would be a lot of uh, heavy emotions that i don't think amanda and i are really built to do tell us about it trevin <laughs> stone cold sons of bitches are here. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about the edit and that phrase that we all love that i've got hanging right above my desk here tell us about the larceny and why were you inspired to make this your show the juxtaposition i think that's where our show lives it took us just like a what like two hour conversation and i was like oh my gosh what if we did a true petty crime podcast and we're like well what's what's one of the most common petty crimes and it's larceny and it also just starts with an l we went with that i thought that the parody on the name the juxtaposition of the name really fit with what we wanted to do with the stories i don't know if you've ever seen the show documentary now in the first season they had it was something that made fun of a true crime documentary i can't remember what it was called it was a very serious true crime fake true crime documentary and they made a joke and said like the only thing they saw when the killer drove away was a license plate that said i heart puss they kept saying it in a very serious tone and i thought oh my god i love this every time this guy says i heart puss while everything else is trying to be really dramatic was just so perfect for me i was like i want to do a podcast version of this i also grew up watching a bunch of like leslie nielsen movies and just any of those parody uh scary movie all of those so i was like i want to try to make a podcast version of this And Amanda and I are very extra over the top kind of people. I'm an audio guy. So I thought, you know, I don't think a lot of podcasters are taking the time to go that heavy on the audio side of it. So I said, let's just go all out and try to put these gaggy, dumb little reenactments and cheesy sound effects and just all this other stuff throughout our stories and kind of poke fun at the true crime podcasts or like those true crime characters you see in movies that take themselves a little too seriously and they over embellish everything and everything is just so dire and I thought that's what I want every single one of our stories to do. We didn't think it was going to be sustainable. It's been fun and every single story is like a different parody of something else. We've got ones that do action movies. We've got cop dramas, hospital dramas. We've done so many different stylistic parodies that we never get bored of it because we're just like 
stretching out and seeing what else we can do creatively. Also, I just want to add that we kind of lucked out because even though we were friends for years, I didn't know if Trevin knew how to write a story and he didn't know that I knew how to write a story. So we kind of lucked out in that area where we're like, okay, think of like the pettiest crime you've been a part of or, you know, sometimes we do news stories or listener stories or whatever. But when we first started, we kind of just focused on like personal things that we've witnessed And we just wrote it into an overly dramatic retelling of it. And it just worked. That's cool. That was going to be my question, actually, which is how does the writing come together? Do you alternate stories and you each write one or do you come together or is it just sort of like based on what's happening in the story and maybe some of them are more appropriate to tell together or to write together? My way of going at it is very similar to how you see a bunch of true crime podcasts. One that I always kind of go to when I compare it is the case, the Fitbit murders. They figured out when the woman died based on when the heart monitor stopped or something like that. When you listen to to people cover that crime, a lot of true crime stuff, and especially like the Dateline stuff that I grew up with in the 90s, they do a big buildup based on something that you can relate to because the story is going to mean a lot more to you if you can relate to it. So a lot of these things start with, oh, we all have these smart devices. These smart devices do this for us. And then by the end of it, it's kind of a horror story for smart devices and, and how it connects to you. So For me, because this is such a creative thing for us, I try to find some sort of subject that I'm feeling something for and I just find a crime that relates to it. And so I build up the subject I'm feeling about and then we go into the story of a crime. So in a sense, it really is almost sort of like a a diary sort of thing. Like I'm, I'm talking about something that affects me or that I'm thinking about already. There's a crime that relates to just about anything that can happen. It makes it to where I'm passionate about whatever I'm talking about every week because it is something that, you know, it just relates to something that I'm going through. I was getting evicted once. And so I did a story about a moving day and about how a person went and destroyed their entire house because they said the landlord treated them unfairly or whatever. And so I covered that story and just talked about it in the beginning. Like, hey, everybody knows moving sucks. You know, for the comedic side of it, I'm like, I kind of see where this guy's coming from. I want to destroy this place that I'm about to move out of too. Even though every episode of ours is very evergreen, if you're a person that follows the episodes and follows us as people too, there's like intermingling between our personal lives and the stories we tell that even though each story is kind of like its own Twilight Zone story by itself, they all still kind of connect with us as people. I think that's something extra that... For me, it means a lot to be able to do that. We've never wrote anything together. We come up with like our segment ideas and things like that together. But we always write our our own stories and we write them separately. Yeah, we always surprise each other with them. The only thing we will do is we will tell the other one like the petty criminal's name or like the victim's names, you know, just so we don't write the same thing. I find a crime that fascinates me or kind of deals with something I'm going through in life and just let it flow or like if something really just recently happened or it's local we try to bump those to the top of the list too but it doesn't always happen but i love to get recent stuff anytime something recently happens i jump on it cool and what is the darkest story you've covered (laughs) the darkest are you talking like legitimately darkest yeah maybe you went too far you know you thought it would be lighter and it ended up being a little darker than you had hoped People have gotten mad at us. I will say this. We've had a couple people that got a little sensitive when we've told petty crime stories that involve animals. Okay. So I did one 
where this woman got arrested because her pet raccoon was her wingman and she took him into a bar and she was, you know, trying to meet people with her raccoon. Somebody called animal security and at the very, very end of my story, like it was honestly like a really fun story. And at the very end, I was like, unfortunately, the raccoon was put down and oh people lost it oh my god yeah and we didn't make anything there was no jokes about it but the whole story did kind of have like the kind of creative scope of her story almost felt like a disney movie because it was like a a woman who had no friends and hung out with her raccoon and took a raccoon to the bar to go meet people so then at the very end of the recap it was sort of just a little like just at the very end of the story oh by the way we don't like this but the raccoon did die i know i didn't even want to put that in there yeah, people said, that is not light, that is not funny, I'm not having a good day because you said that. It's like, we can't change the truth here. Like, I mean, we embellish things to make it fun, but I mean, we trust that you're adult enough to understand that somebody acted in the wrong way and had this raccoon put down, but we don't think that's funny. But yeah, we had a couple bad reviews that were just like, leave the animals out of it, animal cruelty is not funny. And it's like, we did not say it was. <laughs> you never want to have that bad review or part of a review be bad, but in a weird way, it does kind of speak to how effective your chemistry is and how effective your storytelling is when people are listening to a crime itself it doesn't matter how petty it is they're able to laugh about it because you're able to make them laugh about it totally totally and most people they'll listen to us and they know that i mean we talk about our own pets all the time and they they know we're not like that but most people understand where we're coming from and they will say oh you made me crack up laughing in the middle of my office job like stop it you know that's usually the complaints we get that was probably the darkest thing that has come up in one of my stories i mean we don't talk about murders at all you know yeah we've never done murders i think we've only had one story where somebody got shot and that was that guy who tried to rob the bank he tried to rob a bank he went to jail he was in jail for like 10 years or longer he got out of jail and then tried to rob a bank again and when he did it He parked across the street at a repair shop. He parked in front of the bay. So then the people were freaking out that he parked and was like in the way of their work. He leaves and then the people who worked at the shop chased him down because he let he like dropped his keys or something or, you know, he locked his keys in the car. So he couldn't get in his car. The uh, repair people were already pissed that he was blocking their bay. So then after robbing the bank, he just runs on foot. And as he's running off, Two of the workers at the shop see that he has a gun and catch him and try to fight him. He accidentally goes to grab the gun, shoots himself in the leg. And then as the dudes are beating him up, one of the dudes steals the gun from him and then accidentally shoots him in the leg, too. That was the only story I think we've ever done where a person gets shot. But we try to make sure that when we cover something like that, it is done, you know, in a, in a very respectful way for everybody. But, you know, the criminal generally. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. Do you ever have any feedback from the people in like the more serious true crime circles? I would say think it's all positive when it comes to big true crime people. We're friends with Generation Y, Shane with Foul Play. A lot of them are just really excited that we're doing something kind of different you know and yeah i think they can usually get behind with what we did we've had aaron from generation y come on and do a story with us he did a story about a oh it was when the the young boy stole his parents car to go get mcdonald's yeah he taught himself how to drive using youtube and then one night snuck in stole his parents keys took his like three-year-old sister 
and they went to the McDonald's drive through and a cop ended up pulling them over because he went to the drive through and the workers thought this doesn't sound right, called the cops. The cops stopped him at the pickup window and uh, then they called the parents. And so what we did with that one was we built it up like, you know, YouTube's a really nice tool. We use it to teach ourselves things, but sometimes we can teach ourselves, you know, pure evil. The cop ended up, I think he didn't really charge the parents or anything. And so we ended it with something like, you know, maybe the cop found it in his heart to let this criminal go because, you know, maybe he had a lot of late night cravings for McDonald's while he was on the job too. We build our characters around the crime so much. It's completely overboard, but in a fun way. For a second, I was following and I was picturing Aaron being the 12 year old. Oh, <laughs> I wish. Maybe it was him. <laughs> oh, my God. He just narrated it in his normal way. And that's the fun thing, too, for us is I love using people who are in the serious true crime side to come on our show because you're so used to hearing oh, that's more of that juxtaposition. You're used to hearing that voice only saying serious stuff. But when I hear Aaron's voice saying this petty criminal should have been charged to the highest degree and he's talking about an 11 year old kid. That's hilarious. I love I love hearing Aaron do that. So that's kind of where we first started was like my dream was to get more big name true crime people in to do these goofy stories because nobody would expect it, you know, to hear those things. When I have a guest on, I try to have them do a personal story. So that way you can also get to know your favorite true crime creators in a personal way, as well as, you know, hearing them out of their own element. In full disclosure, all transparency, we had exchanged emails like months and months ago about doing just that. But there was a ton of stuff going on. And I, I personally couldn't wrap my head around it at the time. I was like, am I coming up with a story that I was like a criminal? Like I thought maybe I was breaking the law and I'm going to tell the story about that, which I'm fine to do. But hearing you <laughs> say what it is now, I'm like, oh, absolutely. Like that's super oh, fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've told personal stories about ourselves. Like when I was in college, I went through this phase where I would get really drunk and steal American flags off of porches. And then my whole entire apartment was like covered in American flags. I don't know why. Okay. But I told a whole story about myself. What was the name? I I, I called the myself Patriot the Patriot Poacher. Poacher. Yeah. Then Trevin, he also told a story about how he desperately was trying to get into this local bar. He was way too drunk. They kept turning him down. He stumbled upon this bachelorette party and they drew a mustache on him to try and get him in oh yeah we throw ourselves under the bus all the time yeah and the twist of my story was that the crime really was that the door guy was being really discriminative towards me because i was too drunk to go to his bar the crime wasn't really even me it was him that's something that i feel like we've been in a phase of doing lately is our stories have like a twist or like a mystery of like where does the crime even come in here and sometimes it is sort of anticlimactic or uh, like a twist like that where in that sense i was the criminal but the whole scope was that the doorman was the criminal for being so discriminative towards me what's one that you've written and produced and put out there that you just like couldn't get through because it was maybe it was too absurd. I guess our favorite story of all time is a listener story. It was after Christmas. They took their kids shopping because their brother gave their kids a bunch of gift cards. So she was kind of pissed that she's like, great, you gave my kids a Christmas gift, but it's just an obligation that I have to do. I have to go take my kids shopping now. So they took the kids shopping. And after they got done shopping, they went to go stop and get food. As they stopped to get food, it was right after Christmas. So there was a bunch of those snow drifts everywhere because it had snowed. Their kids saw a dead cat 
in the middle of the snow. They're her little children, which I think the oldest one was probably like eight. They were very sad to see a dead cat. And they're like, oh, mom, what are we going to do about this dead cat? So the mom tried to get the kids to just get away from it. Don't think about it. She emptied out one of their like Coles bags or JCPenney bags. She said, okay, we'll put the, the cat in the bag and we'll go bury it or whatever. You know, whatever makes you feel, feel better. But she said, you guys got to eat your food first. So she takes the cat, puts it in the bag, and then sets the bag on the hood of her car. They leave the bag there because she's like, I'm not going to put this dead cat in my car. They go in, they're eating. They've got a, a seat where they can look out the window and see their car. And as she's watching... She sees this kind of shady character slowly walking past their car. And so the lady is eyeballing the bag on her car, like thinking maybe somebody was shopping and didn't put their bag away. So the lady slowly walks past the car, turns around, slowly walks past again. And as she walks back the second time, she just slowly kind of hooks the bag and takes it. But for some reason, which, you know, we specialize in dumb criminals, she takes the bag with the dead cat and she goes into the restaurant that they're parked at. So the lady goes in sits at a table, starts eating french fries, and just sets the bag by her feet, you know, acting like, yeah, I just got done shopping, want to eat. Eventually, as because the mom's sitting there with her kids, and she sees the lady just a couple seats over, sitting there eating french fries with the bag she stole, not knowing that there's a dead cat in it. Eventually, the lady, while she's at the restaurant, pulls up the bag to see what she has, brings this bag up by her food, sees that she has a bag full of dead cat, and she faints right there in the seat. So... This lady is just sitting here laughing. Her kids have no idea what's going on. So somebody calls 911. The ambulance comes to pick this woman up. As they are putting her on the stretcher, one of the workers is like gathering up her stuff for her. They pick up the bag and look at it and they're like, oh, what the hell? And they're just like, okay. And they just throw it on her chest and they wheel the lady off with the dead cat bag on her chest. So whenever she gets to the hospital, she's going to have to explain why she has a bag of dead cat. That one I think is always going to be our all-time favorite one. And that one was also... A big challenge because I wanted to build that one up in a way to where it actually, I mean, it's a good enough story on its own, but I had to make the atmosphere around it so good. And it was, it was one that I put a lot of pressure on making sure it was good. That is quite a story. Trevin, I thought we went over the, the dead animal thing already. Right. Yeah. I know. We what just say this. We just You're trying like, to we tank love our show? <laughs> trying to tank our show. <laughs> Yeah, we try to stay away from the animal stuff, but luckily that one was already dead. I think what hurt everybody's feelings before was that they got attached to the raccoon before it died. Mm -hmm. I think that was the issue. Because, yeah, he never got any hate for that one. No, I got zero hate. Everybody was like, that one was nuts. I loved it. So maybe it's just an Amanda problem. Yeah, it's just me. <laughs> it's just me. Hearing that story and, and thinking about the serious crimes that Tim and I cover, the first thing I thought was that the woman picked up the bag and went into the restaurant because if the person who owned the bag saw that, she'd be like, that's my bag. The woman could have plausible deniability or whatever and say, yeah, I saw it on the top of a car. I was going to return it to the right person. And right. if no one comes up to her, then she knows that no one saw and, and she can get away with it. It's just a very unfortunate byproduct of handling more serious crimes, <laughs> like trying to get inside this woman's head. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. And a thank you to our sponsors. Back to the program. Me and my friends, we used to steal uh, scarecrows from people's lawns around this time of year. And now that I'm an adult, I, I have my own scarecrow out in front on the lawn. I told my friends that I used to do this with, I said, I hope no one steals it. But if they do, I definitely deserve it. That would be your karma if it got stolen. It would suck, but hey. No, I'm the same way. I have, you know, my kids now and I look back at some of the things that I used to do and I'm like, if someone did that to me, I would be pissed. What the hell? <laughs> but 
Yeah, stolen lawn ornaments and decorations is a big one. Like, I don't know if you know this, but during Christmas time, it's actually very common for baby Jesuses and Mother Mary, Virgin Marys and stuff getting stolen from the nativity scenes all the time. And uh, was it last year or the year before? We did a Christmas story where we explained that also... What had happened was a lot of these security companies, generally, you know, they want you to sign up for a whole year of security or whatever, but they run specials for churches during just the winter months where they say, hey, you don't have to be our customer long term. You can sign up for just two months, three months. We'll just put trackers on all your baby Jesuses and all your Mother Marys and stuff because we know that the, the thefts of these are so rampant that we'll help you trace them. And that's exactly one of the stories we had where we our Christmas story last year was a, a kid that her friend lived across the street and was tired of just wanted to steal it on our way to her friend's house. And she gave it to her friend and then they traced it back to his house. And uh, he was quick to flip on his friend very quick. Like, what's the repercussions on that? I think you're sent straight to hell. Oh, you're definitely sent to hell. <laughs> you're going to hell. That's guaranteed. But I think, yeah, was it like a fine or something? I can't remember I think remember it was just happened. a fine. And I think they said she couldn't be on that property again or something like that. Yeah, that's the one thing is sometimes we get a little weird with what our punishments are because our crimes aren't a big deal. Sometimes we have to make up what our own uh, justice probably is for them. But yeah, sometimes, yeah, we don't know what they are because people don't follow up on those crimes. These dumb criminal stories are usually just supposed to be a quick headline just the gag get the clip and get it out there or get the click and then get people out of there but we're taking them and digging really deep into them and a lot of times people don't see the point in saying oh that guy that was flashing those people he actually got this in his court date one year later you know right we we don't get follow-up articles most of the time on our stories like I mean, if we do, it's kind of like, and I know this information, guys, you know, like we try to find ones that we know what their exact punishment is. But yeah, sometimes we just see what they're charged with and we never get a follow up if we do a news story anyway. The only one that we really have that I feel like has solid follow ups is anything that has to do with rent a hitman dot com. Have you guys heard of that? It's huge. Uh, this yes. guy, we've we've had the guy on. You yeah, had the guy on? Yeah. Wait, the oh. guy that that made the website? Yeah. No way! We've talked about him so many times on our show. We did one story of his, and then we've done updates since then, because he's gotten some real bad people through that. I, I did one that was more of a joke, but he had some serious ones. Yeah, no, it's like an obligation now for him. He was, at one point, kind of looking for someone like to take the burden from him. <laughs> I think it got bigger than he uh, expected. Obviously, he did not expect it to really help capture criminals. Oh, for Somebody sure. Somebody should do like a series on him, like a five-episode series or something. Like He's probably got so many stories. The crazy thing about that is if someone did a five-episode series on him or a 15-episode series and it became huge, people would still go to his website and try to hire a hitman. Maybe more. That's like the craziest part of his story is that people, it's, it's like they know all of them somehow like, no, like this can't be real. But this compulsion just makes them want to carry it through to the end. It's so wild. Blinded by their anger or, or obsession yeah. or, or something, or they're just dumb, I'm sure, in some cases. I know just recently he had, there was like one mom that was trying to get 
their kid taken care of. And then there was another one where a guy was applying to work for rentahitman.com. He was in the military or something and he called himself the Reaper or some shit. And he was just like, oh, I want to work for you. I want to kill people for you. And they said, well, sometimes you got to do up to 50 jobs. And he said, that's like chump change for the Reaper. Like that's little numbers for me. And, and all these stories, it always seems to be the same where the FBI, they give him such an easy out. They're like, are you sure about this? And this is your last chance. Lock them in, lock in that answer. And they're like, yeah, yeah, definitely. I want to do this. And he's like, okay, well, you're under arrest. Like I, I tried to make it easy for you and you didn't do it. Also reassuring that there's somebody out there who has taken it. And, and hey, if these criminals are going to be dumb, if they're going to fall for this with every single out that I'm giving them, then fine. Yeah, I totally. couldn't imagine like how bad of a taste would be left in your mouth if you did bring one of these people in and be like, are you sure? Are you sure? And then at the very second, they're like, eh, no, I'm not. See ya. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I should have let that guy go. <laughs> yeah 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 it is crazy to think that like a joke website has actually saved lives and he still runs it like to this very day you're telling me no one else no law as far no, as i know no... it's still him last i saw he was trying to like do a fundraiser to try to get some help with running it or something but that's all i've seen man yeah we spoke with him a couple of years ago now maybe three years ago or so i think it's a lot of work because he'll go back and forth with the people who contact him before he gets it to law enforcement because there's a lot of messages they get but a lot don't proceed to the point where he would forward it to law enforcement so it is a lot more work i think yeah because you probably don't want to bother the police with every single joke email you get the website's so funny though i was afraid to even look at it when i was doing my research but yeah there's so many obvious little jokes in there it's just how, how do you guys fall for it and we actually met him because lance had filled out the form about whacking me Oh. And and Bob contacted me and he was like, "Hey, do you know do you know this guy?" I was like, "Yeah." And he sent me the email and I was like, I was like, "Holy shit." You still worked through that and still remain friends. That's monumental. Yeah, we figured it out. I'm still following up with <laughs> No, it's not a threat anymore, Amanda. We're not we're not worried about it. Um I'm sure uh everything's on a level now. I mean, you're still here, so I think he should get a one star for his services, if that's the case. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're still kicking, so yeah, didn't really do it. It's the long, it's the long plan. I told him this has to be, this has to be drawn out. Okay, because you're paying Uh, in installments or something. (laughs) (laughs) But Amanda, you had said way back that. When you come across a story that is interesting or funny to you, what's your process? What happens when you know that this is the story that you want? I'm sure it's the same for you guys when when you're looking up things to tell to discuss and you're like, oh my God, if someone saw my Google history right now, it is so weird. But for petty crimes, it's a little, it's just, it's not as easy. So... I feel like for me, I kind of do have to be inspired by something. Maybe it's the holiday, the time of year. Maybe it's something I've gone through. Or it could be that I am randomly awake in the middle of the night and I think, oh my God, that would be so funny if somebody, you know, went uh, skinny dipping in a public fountain. And then I find it, you know, as far as my writing goes, I kind of like 
to get all the facts, I look up as many articles as I can find on these little crimes. So there's not usually many. And then I'll kind of write the facts out of it. You know, this is when it happened. This is their name. This is where it is. And then I just let my mind go wild. How do I want to paint this picture? Do I want to paint them in a good light? Do I want to paint them in the bad light? I mean, we're very open and honest saying that our show is based on true petty crimes. So sometimes we have to write our own backstory for these people because we don't know anything about them. So we make that very, very, very clear many times. It has to be a good, funny story. I like to surprise Trevin. He likes to surprise me with like ridiculous things. So if that means I start searching for something really vague and then I find a couple that are weird and then I, you know, I just have to keep narrowing down my search until I find something worthy enough to be written about (laughs) i guess yeah i think we're just naturally creative people and if you would have put us in a room with building blocks i think we would find a way to express ourselves using those blocks it's just any any type of creative medium i think we can make to at least you know enough to express ourselves because i think amanda and i are both very big about being able to express ourselves we feel a little backed up if we can't get it out you know what i mean (laughs) Creative constipation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is that is a new drop. That's going to be a new drop. <laughs> wow. Love it. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, Amanda and Trevin, this has been a, uh, a lot of fun uh, hanging out with you today on this Friday afternoon. Thanks for uh, spending some time with us here. Yeah, thanks oh for having us. Gosh. This was awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, this time just flew by, and really happy that you managed to come up to the booth and get over your fear of Tim. Yeah, I'm glad he <laughs> left it. Well, thank you guys so much for having us on. You guys are so funny to talk to. I loved it. Thank you.